Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Tried that again. Absolutely. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by my colleague, NBA futures analyst and NFL writer, Brandon Anderson. And this is your Central Division Win Totals podcast. It's that time of year. Training camp starts in less than three weeks from when we're recording this, and we're breaking down division by division and if you're wondering if you're like i don't even know who the who's in the divisions matt because i find a lot of nba fans surprisingly don't keep up with the divisions today we're going to talk about the cleveland cavaliers we're going to talk about the milwaukee bucks we're going to talk about brandon chicago bulls that he hates more than anyone else we're talking about the indiana pacers and we're going to talk about kate cunningham and the detroit pistons lost to get to today a reminder everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning action network app it's the best way for you to track your picks get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on we've got our media center where you can catch green dot daily our new live streaming show that had a fantastic debut on thursday they absolutely just slaughtered thursday night football really great start for Green Dot Daily. Both Brandon and I will be on that show throughout the week, so you're going to want to check that out. You can catch video versions of this podcast as well in the app itself. But not only that, you can track all your picks and get Brandon and I's picks. I've added our win total picks. I'm adding more as we go along this and as I go through the research process. Lots to catch up on there. want to ask you real quick that if you got a second, give us those five-star reviews. They help us out so much. We want to get more attention to this podcast. We've really grown a following. We're thankful for everybody that listens. But as we do this, do us a favor. I know that you, that you hear this on every single podcast. You don't need to do this with the big podcast you listen to. They're fine. Help us out. We are a lesser known podcast. Help us get out there because we are really one of the few NBA gambling podcasts out there. All right, Brandon, we're going to go ahead and start as we always do with our best bets. And this is going to be a fun one because it's obviously in the news. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Donovan Mitchell trade as the Cleveland Cavaliers trade Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, Akbay Abaji, and multiple first-round picks and multiple first-round swaps to the Utah Jazz. They get Donovan Mitchell. Really big trade. Let's talk about the line real quick. When the season win totals opened, it opened 41 and a half. And you you bet it and have taken several victory laps about getting that number <laughs> because you think you predicted the Donovan Mitchell trade. Not really, but you thought it was, it was at least within the realm of possibility they would get an upgrade. I also actually took the 41 and a half for as much shit as i've given you over victory lapping i too did grab the 41 and a half when these lines first came out that's in the app so i too have that number that's not helpful for you the listener that number's gone because obviously after the mitchell trade it jumped the best lines available right now 46 and a half is an over at minus 110 at DraftKings. there's a 48 and a half under if you're interested in fading the market reaction over at points bet that's gonna be the best value for you there so a 46 and a half over versus a 48 and a half under we don't see a lot of these two game differentials. Obviously, a lot of this leading into Donovan Mitchell. I'll give you like bullet points on my thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell trade, and, and then we'll get Brandon's thoughts and, and his projections. This is a perfect trade for them. It's just a perfect trade for them. Their problem was offense. Mitchell is way more of an offensive engine than people really gave him credit for because of he had a little bit of a down season last year, which I think is okay. He still is one of the best three-point volume scorers in the NBA. Coming off of picks from Jared Allen and Evan Mobley with their rim gravity, he will have lots of opportunity to shoot those. If he does not take those and they blitz him, 
Mitchell is a good enough passer to hit those guys and really generate good offense. He didn't pass as much as he can the last couple of years. I attribute a lot of that to the tension between him and Rudy Gobert. They would deny that. I will just tell you that when I watch Donovan Mitchell is not incapable of passing. Donovan Mitchell was choosing to be the way to play the way he did. Now, maybe he takes that same approach in Cleveland, but even so that still raises their offensive ceiling, the area of highest concern so much. This is a painful trade. They lost several key pieces, but when you really look at the year over year, they really just lost marketing who was very good, but Sexton was out last year. Akbaji obviously was not on the team. So really what they lost was marketing who was very good, but Donovan Mitchell's value is obviously going to be significantly higher in a game by game and wins perspective than Donovan Mitchell. It makes life easier for Evan Mobley. It makes life easier for Jared Allen. It makes life easier for Darius Garland, who was so good last year. There are pressure points on this team, which we'll talk about, but this was a home run trade for the Cavs. They're going to be really good. I don't have a best bet on this win total, 46 and a half. I leaned over at that number, but if you ask me at 48 and a half, I'm probably going to say maybe a light, slightly into the under. I don't have... A play on this, but I know that you do, Brandon. What are your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell trade first before we get into your projection? Yeah, so I mean, the thing you need to remember with Donovan Mitchell is this dude literally just came off a season where he was the best offensive player. I don't know about best player, but best offensive player and the engine of the league's number one offense in an era predicated on offense. That does not mean he did everything. He didn't. There's a lot that happened there. Basketball is a team game. But it's pretty good if you are the best offensive player on the best offense in the best offensive era in history. That seems good. So I think it's fair to wonder about how does this work in a playoff setting? I think it's fair to wonder about long-term trajectory. Neither of those is our focus today. We'll do that plenty of times. What I think is very sure about Donovan Mitchell is that he significantly raises the floor in the regular season right now, because the thing that the Cavaliers lacked was offense. They've got the defense there. We'll talk about how all the pieces fit together. But as much as I was high on Cleveland and had that early number and everything else, the one bugaboo was, man, the offense is not great. It's pretty much Darius Garland. And I I texted you at one point like, man, if Garland gets hurt, we're really in trouble on this Cavs 41 and a half that we got. Donovan Mitchell changes the equation of that because now you have two offensive hubs. And in the NBA, in the regular season especially, having two guys instead of one is a big, big deal. So I want to do projections here. And I'm going to give you two projections because I had my numbers written in ink already from before the trade. And now I have them after, and I think it's helpful to kind of see where things were and where they're at now. So I had the Cavs previously at 20th offensively. I have them at 14th now. That doesn't seem like a huge swing, but that's a big difference in floor from being a team where you're bottom 10 to, okay, you're around league average. Defensively, it didn't move at all. I had them at fourth. I have them at fourth right now. I think the ceiling wasn't quite as high as people maybe hoped before. The floor is maybe a little lower now. We'll get to that. Here's where I have the win range. This is the key. Before the trade, I had them 44 to 52. So a little bit higher variance, but all like easy, easy play from that 41 and a half. Right now, the ceiling hasn't changed. My top end is 54, only up from 52, but I've gone 48 to 54 now. So that bottom, the floor moved up. 
So I still have 48 to 54 wins. I'm still over all the 46 and a half outcomes here. So this is a best bet for me. I like the over. If you are a fresh better, this has nothing to do with the 41 and a half. If you are coming in clean, 46 and a half, I like the over here. Yeah, so there's two ways to think about this, which is like you're not getting the best of the number because it's it was 41 and a half. No, that was an entirely different yeah, team. Different team. Like the three rotation players with like Baji, Sexton, and Marketing that are now gone and a, a star player that has been added. Like this is an entirely different makeup as far as what the win total should be. So the question yep. is whether or not the overs is valuable there. I get why it's an over for you still best bet at 46 and a half. It should be noted. You're probably not going to bet this again with the 41 and a half. Are you? Yeah, I'm not because I already have the 41, 41 and a half. And a half but but right. for, for the new listener today, like if you have the 41 and a half, you're looking like, well, do I, do I hedge? Do I take the other side? No, you just take the ticket that you are glad. Look, we lucked into it. I thought there was a move to be made. I did not think Donovan Mitchell was coming to this team. Right. Let's just be real. Just ride that ticket out. Don't make more moves. Don't complicate it. But if you're new, and you're saying, okay, I didn't do NBA in the summer. Here I am today. What's my bet? I still like the bet right now because it's a new team. So you're playing the new number. The seeding for this team, which is up at DraftKings, the over-under is six and a half, which is, I think that's high. The under is minus 135. I will probably put in a bet on the under and pay the juice on the minus 135 here. If they win 47 games, this still goes under by a half or over by a half win, right? I could see them being the sixth seed at 46. That feels a little low. If you tell me, like, are the Cavs going to win 46 or more games? Probably to the over. I just don't think I'm so married to the prior in this range that I want to go ahead and get in at 46 and a half. Yeah. If you're wondering about, like, okay, this all sounds great, but what's, like, the downside? Uh, I got a trend for you. I've been doing these 10-year trends. Teams that won fewer than 25 games in a season and then went over 500 the following season, the next year are four and one to the under. That's a very small sample. It's only five teams. Um, the one over team was the Warriors who had a, <laughs> that one tank season. So you can really contextually throw out the Warriors. That's four and oh to the under. Again, it's four examples, right? So like not a lot of it, of history here. I think more telling, though, is that only four teams have done this, which leads into the question of whether or not this was an outlier season from them. One of the reasons I had the, the Cavs under was I was just like, this team does not like everything looks different a year a year later. Darius Garland made a leap that has to, like that's sustainable and has to matter. Darius Garland is good now. I like Darius Garland before, but not enough to take the over. Uh, Jared Allen fit perfectly. was an all star last year. Evan Mobley is a transcendent player. He is one that we talked about him on several awards episodes. He is one of the most impactful players. We'll talk about more about him in a second. The, the three big look worked. That's no longer the case. It does make more intuitive sense that Mitchell would work better, but it's a different combination. We just don't know. Um, Bickerstaff, JB Bickerstaff, who I like a lot as a person and everyone I know in the league loves him and is so happy that he had success last year. And I thought should have been coach of the year. If I had to vote, I would have voted for JB Bickerstaff. You too. Um, he's only gone over one year on his win total. That was last year. Now, a lot of his were interim opportunities. So it's a little bit different. Still, we don't have a, this is not a coach that we have a, a grand history of consistently hitting the over. We give a lot of credit to Evan Mobley. I want to try and put some of this in context. 15 
points, eight rebounds, three assists on 51% shooting from the field, 25% from three, 66% from the line. Mobley is a guy that stands out on film and stands out in the advanced metrics. His overall production isn't great. Again, we circle back to, but they have Donovan Mitchell who's going to be able to provide a lot of that production increase. It's just something I do think we should talk about. It's probably likely that we overstate Evan Mobley a little bit in the NBA internet circles because we're all kind of competing to be the one that likes Evan Mobley the most. And so I think there's like a little bit of, even if I I think he's awesome, that conversation probably gets a little bit beyond on Mobley. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I think the, the hype on Mobley, everyone sees the potential. We all agree that there is massive high potential that he could be a truly great player. So then everyone wants to be the, on the corner of Mobley Island so that when he does become that someday, potentially, you can be like, I said it. I was the one. I had the Mobley ticket early on. We we all have the Mobley ticket. We all yes. see it. We all like him. <laughs> yeah. So so that's part of, that's part of this. Um, the jump in wins. I've done a lot of research that actually says that your actual win total versus your Pythagorean is a better indicator. But the Cavs Pythagorean was pretty online. Cause they were way high early and then, or way low early. Cause they were so much better than the record was. And then they were less and all these kind of things. It, it kind of just shakes out in the end. Like Cleveland had minus 1.8 Pythagorean win differential that does cross the threshold of 75th percentile across the last 10 years. Those teams do tend to go over at about a 58% rate. Well, and I think it's, we, we've talked a lot, you and I about the cows. We've done them on the podcast. We've talked about them on spaces before, but if you're a new listener, I think it's worth reminding you that the, the Pythagorean thing that dropped out for them, like halfway, yeah. maybe two thirds almost through the season, the advanced numbers, the Pythagoreans and some of the like the, the 538.com rating, they had the Cavs as the best team in the East, yeah. the number one team in the East by That's... expected wins. And then it fell out. So it's like, okay, well, do were they that good early on? Were they that bad later? Did it just even out? I don't know that we know the answer to that, but I think it's important to note how good it was early. So the problem I think there is their overall number is minus 1.8, which means that they won fewer than they should have, right? They should right. have been better based on the advanced metrics. And the trend is that those teams still go under because the, right. the line is always marked to what their Pythagorean is more closely associated to their Pythagorean. And so what we kind of uh, see here is your win total actually, be, a lot of this is about the idea of you have to get out of the idea of an objective ranking and more in terms of the bookmakers and where the line gets set. And the right. line is being set on, they should have been better last year. So we're going to give them a little bit of a bump above where they actually were. That's where you get into trouble because it once the line is accounts for that, yeah, then you can't better. account for it extra as a better because it's already being accounted. Yeah. I think my point, though, is that it's possible. Like, why did they fall off so hard from where they were two thirds of the way till the end? I think your theory is more that, well, they're overperforming. It kind of balanced out. Mm-hmm. It may be an outlier. My theory is everybody got hurt. Right. A team yeah. that looked really good suddenly wasn't good anymore. I think that... Uh, the, the fact that they underperformed a little bit is baked in and we can't add to it. 
I just think that they perhaps underperformed a lot of bit and we didn't really notice it as much because they were so bad late that it even the numbers back out. Let, let me turn that around. It's not necessarily that, that, that they regressed back to where they should have been. I think they were that team last year. You're right that the injuries matter. This team was awesome before. Like They had a three big lineup and by there was a stretch there in late March where they hadn't have any bigs. They had three of yeah. them and we were like, <laughs> you got too many bigs and then they didn't have any. Their injury luck was horrible last year yeah. late in the season it really did it cost him a playoff berth yeah i but, but but my my thing here is actually more this it's that being better than your record shows is not sustainable year over year right. you're more likely year over year to move back and that i think is where the the value on the under comes from i still don't want to bet against the under like at 48 and a half that line if that's a if, if you're playing at those books and you should have multiple books and compare them in the action network app but if you're at a book and, and your only option for if you're playing when totals at one book and your options 48 and a half, it's definitely a stay away. 46 yeah. and a half. I'll lean over. I can't make it a best bet. Brandon does. Um, you like a little bit more aggressive on this, Brandon, don't you? I do. Yeah. And I, I just to add uh, 48 and a half would probably be a stay away for me, too, as much as I like the Cavs and not because I already have the number earlier, just fresh better. That's right about in the middle of my win range. So I, I do like them a little bit more. I, I think, too. We, we've talked a lot about Donovan Mitchell, but the reasons we like them outside of that before the trade is they should get more Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen this year. Like, I think they'll probably get 20% more and better versions of those guys. They're all young and improving. They only got half a season of Karis LeVert, so they should get more of him. I like the bench improvements. They'll get Rubio at some point. Robin Lopez is a big addition. They had a bunch of guys last year in the rotation who really shouldn't be getting big rotation minutes. So replacing that with competent players is big too. So I want to caution, like if you're listening, like, well, but the number was 41 or 42, and now it's 46, Donovan Mitchell can't be worth five wins. Well, perhaps not. But I think our argument was the number was wrong before. It was too low before. And the perception has maybe gone too far the other way, but it was already wrong before. So the other bet that I do like here. I like the over, I'm betting it, but I'm also going to bet the division. And it's tenuous because we're going to get to the Bucs, and I know the Bucs and the division and Bud and all the things. It's a numbers play. I got plus 360 on the division at FanDuel. That's an implied 22%. I have the Cavs with this win range as about a 30% chance at winning the division. I have their ceiling as 54, like I said. I have the Bucs, when we get to them, I have their floor as like 50, 52 range. That's enough overlap that uh, to me, it's a, it's a one, two punch. Uh, what I really want here is Cavs one bucks two, uh, but that number is actually lower on DraftKings than it is just betting the division at FanDuel. So maybe when, when it gets closer, but it's a numbers play. I don't think it's likely because I think the bucks are very good, but I do think it's more likely than a number 30% to 22% is a pretty big edge. So I have to play my number. I can't argue with that, which is annoying because I want to argue with it. I get that from a numbers <laughs> perspective, it's an objectively good play. So if you like it, you are getting good return on it. It's a it's a very Brandon play. I will absolutely never advise you to take anyone but the Milwaukee Bucks as long as Giannis <laughs> on and Kumpo and Bud, and Bud are together. I will always tell you, do not take anyone but that. And that number is too steep. That's absolutely a stay away. I love your other prop, though. There's a DK prop that you found, uh, <laughs> which I think actually I told you this this one. Um but it's, I'm going to be with you on this on this other prop. What do you got for the Cavs? So my other one is you can just bet a head-to-head. And I always look, if there's a team I really like or really don't like, I check the head-to-head. Who, who can we compare to? 
How about the other team in the division? My Chicago Bulls. So you can bet the Cavs to be have more head-to-head wins than the Chicago Bulls is minus 200. You want the Cavs plus 150 for the Bulls. So that's implied 67% basically if you want the Cavs here. Give me the implied like 85, 90. I, I don't have a number for it here, but my my win range for the Cavs, we're going to do the Bulls next, I think. But my entire Bulls win range is like multiple tiers below where I have Cleveland so I don't do a lot of minus 200 type bets, but uh, to me, you're asking a lot to go wrong and a bunch of injuries and a lot to go right for Chicago. Uh, that's why I mentioned I like the Cavs Bucks one, two thing or the other way like this. This to me, you love the bets where you lock in those top two and then just play both sides. This is a division to do that because I, I don't think Chicago is in play here. You like it? I like it. I think there's a good chance that, that, that this cashes um, for a number of reasons. There's like variance baked into this, obviously, but sure. I, I think from a general perspective, I also, what I really enjoy though, is the fact that every time that you lay a minus number, you're so proud of yourself. You're just like, look at me. I laid juice. <laughs> well, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. The over under is 43 and a half in the market. There is an under 44 and a half in the market. Uh, you can get 43 and a half under if you want to get really aggressive at plus 130 at points bet. So points bet's giving you the lower range of the number, but you're getting a plus number on the return on it as my, as opposed to the minus 110. Uh, Brandon, let's start very much at the top with what is your projection for the Chicago Bulls this season? All right, my Chicago Bulls. It's, it's, this never goes well for me. So here's where I got them. I have the Bulls exactly league average offensively at 15th. I have them 20th on defense. I put them at 36 to 44 wins. Now I do, I do my team comparison thing. If my offense and defense projections are right, and I know you're going to argue against it, but if they are, here are other teams that fit into that range. And I have to mention these because it was very worrying when I looked at them. We got the Pelicans last year and two years before that. We got the Spurs last year. Remember the team that played like a 500 team, but won like 34 games. With the Kings last year, with the Wizards from two years ago, like basically teams that are league average on offense and slightly worse on defense are 30 to 35 win teams. Like they they are fringe play in teams that might end on the wrong side of the fringe. So I think the trajectory here is you're running it back and you're hoping you're healthier and that it's good enough. I don't think they're going to be good enough and I'm not sure I believe they're going to be healthier. Your analysis is sound. I'll tell you first off. Can we admit that you are by nature hyper pessimistic about Chicago? I mean, I think that that's fair. I just don't think that that's baking into my numbers here. I, I do pretty well. Like I'm, I'm pessimistic about all of my teams, but I think I'm do pretty well when well, I when I am an analyst to separate so, that. All right. Well, let's look at this. 13th on offense and 24th on defense last year per dunksandthrees.com adjusted for schedule. Okay. You've got them 15th and 25th. Is that right? 15th and 20th. 15th and 20th. So you actually have them getting a little bit better defensively, which is I'm I'm, I'm proud of you. Although I'm sure after I told you that <laughs> you're probably going to move them down now. So I can't argue with the assessment real quick. Do you have a best bet on the under here? I do. I am betting the under. I want to talk. We'll get to it about which number I should play, but I it is a best bet on the under. Okay. So I, I to me, this is basically, this is what it comes down to. Um, Lonzo's injury is the biggest factor here yep. is that the word is that Lonzo still hasn't started scrimmaging. Like Lonzo's still hurt. Discussion I've heard is 
that the bone bruise is what continues to bother him. And sometimes those things just don't heal for a long ass time. If Lonzo's out, that defense just is simply isn't that good. Now you have to factor in that their 24th performance last year was greatly impacted by not only Lonzo, but also Caruso's absence. Like the absence of both of those guys was huge. And the counter argument is that, yeah, the Bulls were good defensively early in the season, much like the Wolves were and the Nuggets. And then the rules, the refs started calling games the way that they always called them. And they went back the other way. P.S. Just league. We like the game better the other way. Just <laughs> just stop calling. Like, please. We like the game so much better when non- when these games don't take seven hours and everyone's taking 500 free throws. Please. Come on. Do I think that the Bulls will be as good defensively as they were last year? Probably not. Hmm. I don't think they'll be as bad as last year. The problem is for, for my argument against you would be that's exactly where you have them is four spots better than last year. Still not a good defensive team. If you ask me to ballpark it, I would probably be a little bit higher on the defensive aptitude than you probably 15th to 18th. And so that gets Um, them, that gets them square into an over 43 and a half range, but without Lonzo, I can't get there. I cannot get there. A big question is whether or not Vucevic last year was a harbinger for years to come or whether or not Nikola Vucevic had an outlier bad season. He was bad and he was Bulls fans complained about him endlessly, but he was bad at things he's always been good at. Did Nikola Vucevic just lose the ability to hit bunnies? Oh yeah. That dude missed so many bunnies last year. Is that likely to, to sustain? No, I'm asking. I mean, it, it worries me that he's a 32-year-old big man who was not exactly athletic, but yes. like that seems like an athleticism thing where okay. like I, I don't you're not gonna recover athleticism at age 32 no. as a seven foot dude. So right. that to me makes me believe, well, that that may continue. It may not be as bad or continue terribly, but I'm not sure it's gonna bounce back. why should we believe it's gonna get better? Uh, just because to me, it's not it, like if you believe it's an athleticism thing, that's sound. I don't. I think that's a skill and accuracy and variance thing. And I, think, yeah, I mean, I think it's all of that. So to me, it's like I think I think Nikola Vucevic will make more short range shots that he has his entire career. But one of the big things here is I don't believe in sharp drop offs with good players. It's very mm-hmm. rare that you see like he just uh, can't do this anymore. Even with NBA history telling us that big men in their 30s are the one place where that does tend to happen sometimes, that that, that's off, my concern. That drops off in other areas that Vooch is already bad at. Yeah, that's fair. You don't see somebody go from, yeah, he's a really, he's got great touch around the rim to he can't make bunnies. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So like you're kind of attributing what happened last year as a signal of this other overall trend because it fits like that's a little bit of narrative path fitting. But if you're just like, look, I don't think Nikola Vucevic is that good anyway. I think that he's 32. I think he's on the downhill. I think he's bad, period. I can't. Well, I'm willing to be like, I'm not so confident in Vucevic to bet the over. So I can't be that confident in it. I mean, it matters. Here's the upside of Vucevic. And you're gonna have to squint with me to call this upside. The Bulls don't have a draft pick this year because they traded it for Vucevic. So uh, if you are borderline, like there's no tank happening here. Chicago certainly thinks they are good and will always, always try to win and push for the play. And like, no matter who gets hurt, they are going to keep trying to win. And like this line is in that range where that does matter. We we need a team that wants to try to push to win it. To me, it's not just Vooch. Well, we already know that Vooch as your anchor is not going to be a great defense. So that's part of it. 
Lonzo already being hurt matters. Zach Levine is coming off the most minutes of his career. That matters to me. Zach Levine has not been a healthy guy over his career. So in all likelihood, I think they get less Zach this year. I think in all likelihood, they get worse DeMar DeRozan. He had a great career year, made a bunch of last second shots for winners. They're just a lot went right last year until it didn't. And then the injuries were bad, but a lot was going very well. And they had an expected wins of 40. They won 46 way over it because of all those late winners, but their, their numbers, this is kind of the inverse of the Cavs thing we just said. But to, to me, I feel like they, they kind of got exposed as what they were, which is a 500-ish team, and the other East teams above them mostly all got better. But the problem is the line accounts for that. The line is saying, like the bookmakers are saying, they're only one, they're they are two and a half games over 500, and this this number may get down further as the money comes in closer to the season. We may see 42s, 41 and a halfs in the market. You're right, though. I basically have it that Vooch had an outlier down year, but DeRozan had an outlier up year, and that's essentially a wash with a slight edge to the negative. Yeah. Um, a big differential between you and I, too, is how good we think Billy Donovan is. I think Billy Donovan is like a top 10 coach. Where are you at with him in terms of just give me like a general? I haven't looked at it. Pro- pro- around average, around yeah. league average. Maybe I think Billy Donovan below. is a top 10 coach. I think he's excellent. I think his ability to, to, to manage his personnel and find answers is very high. Guys buy in for him. He's one of those college coaches that did make the transition successfully. He brings a lot of experience with managing both star power. He has guys respect. He doesn't jerk guys around with their minutes. Donovan keeps teams. They don't lose. He doesn't lose their the guys. And so yeah. I have a lot of confidence in Donovan as an addition here. Uh, honestly, the biggest reason for me to go over if I did, which I'm not, is the Pythagorean thing you said. Again, this is the weird trend that I found when yeah. I started looking at this data, which is teams, they are the second highest overperformer last year, which means that they won five plus more games than they should have last season. I looked at the last 10 seasons at teams that had a Pythagorean wins mark of five or more over of what their actual was. Uh, I'm sorry, less. So they won more games than they should have. Their P wins was five or, or more less than their actual six, two and one to the over, which again says the books are looking at it and saying, oh, they should have won fewer games. We're going to downgrade them in the market. We're going to lower yeah. their rating based off of what they should have been. And I think it's it's less about that number being indicative and more of it impacting the market number. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want it at 43 and a half. If we get, if this does get to 41 and a half, I'm going to take the over at, at 41 and a half. Yeah. We'll, we'll never get that low in a, in a big market too, for Chicago. I don't think we're going to get to 41 and a half. We've seen already the, seen the number already is a little lower than I would have expected it to be. Cause you're right. The, the, the books are already, already counting for some of the things that we're trying to sharply credit in here. I would have thought, certainly over 45 with a team that was pretty good last year and near the top of the standings for a lot of the time. So talk me through here. I like the under, but there's a 44 and a half at your standard minus 110 or 43 and a half at plus 130. My win range is 36 to 44 on them. If I'm playing the under, I feel like the smarter play, I'm getting 40 cents extra to just fade one win. I feel like I had to take the the smaller number there at the, the better plus number. Do you agree? Yeah, I think you got to take the plus 130 at points bet. Yeah. I think that if you're already under them, does a win matter? Yeah, it matters a ton. The 47 and a half for Denver cashed over last year. The 48 and a half mm. cashed under. 
that's how important it can be. But you're getting this 40 cents on the dollar when your lower range outcomes fall below. I think there's also probably here, you have to account, there, there should be in your in your thinking, not in your model, but in your thinking, there should be a, if things go badly, how far does the bottom drop out? Yeah. And to that end, I'll ask you, them to miss the playoffs is plus 165. Do you want to just yeah. go that route? Yeah, I was going to bring that up to you as well. I, I So I have Chicago right now. I have Chicago, sorry, Bulls fans, cover your ears. I have Chicago in a tier with the New York Knickerbockers. Oof. Just those two as the nine and 10 seeds. I have the Bulls squarely in the play-in. And if you don't think that that's fair, check the odds on the books for who's going to make the play-in. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls have the shortest odds of any team. They are the most likely play-in team according to the books. So if you're asking, do they miss the playoffs? To me, the real question you're asking is, this is the playoffs. Chicago has to win one, maybe two play-in games. Do we like this team in a play-in setting to beat the Knicks or the Raptors or the Hawks or the Heat. Those are probably the teams we're looking at here. What do we think in a play-in one-game playoff type setting? Do we like Chicago? I like the plus 165 because I put them squarely in the play-in and I can at least hedge out if I'm out of it. But what do you think in a must-win situation? Is this a team that you'd want your money on or would you be happy to be fading? All right, so let's let's just go through this. Celtics, Nets, Bucks, Sixers, Hawks, Heat, Cavs. That's seven. Let's put the Raptors. Raptors are eight. That's where I have them. And then that's where I've got Knicks and Knicks and Bulls are nine and ten. So I think you have to play the the plus one sixty five and not do the win total under. And the reason I say that is like you're getting the extra thirty five cents when we think that there are at least eight teams that will be better, which means they would be a dog in the play-in tournament anyway. If you're wrong and there's one team that's worse than them out of that, those eight, they're a plus there. Then the Bulls will be at home, likely favored, and you can hedge against that number if it looks bad at that point in the play-in. The only way you lose is if the Bulls are top six, and I don't know how they're going to get the top six. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a great path. I don't think it's impossible, but I don't. Not think impossible. It's, yeah. It's not impossible. Like we, we talked about how much you don't like the Heat, and you think the Heat could could miss if the Heat fall into that range. If the Heat and yeah. the Raptors are both like a little bit worse. But, but let's be clear, though. I, Chicago is my ten seed right now. Yeah. I didn't say it, but in my tier with the Knicks, they're second in the tier. Sorry, right. but to be the ten seed to get top six, you got to pass the nine, eight, and seven, and six. You got to pass four other teams. So it's not just oops, the Heat got hurt. We got to bottom out a bunch of these teams. So I think I just play both. I think you might be right that maybe the 165 is better. But a lot of times, if, if you have an angle you like as a better, you just got to find multiple plays to play it. And I, I think I, I I feel strongly about this team as I have. They proved me wrong for a while last year and then kind of went to where I expected somewhat anyway. I was still wrong on them. This number is a lot higher, but I, I just feel fine fading this roster. It should be noted, Brandon hated this team from the minute they traded for Vucevic. Like, hundred percent. Really got to stress how much you hate the way that this team has been constructed. <laughs> uh, this is the exact opposite of how you want, which is like Chet Holmgren and Poku and like <laughs> not put the put the Poku train has left the station. I think. Let's go through the box. We're gonna go through real quickly because we're running long on time. The box uh, over under is fifty one and a half. There's an under plus one fifteen at points bet. Uh, there's a if you want to go. 
with a higher number, there's a 52 and a half at Superbook, which is one of the, the sharper books. Circa and Superbook, because they take the highest limits, those are the two books that I uh, I consider to be sharpest. They're at 52 and a half. Let's just start here, Brandon. What's your projection for the Milwaukee Bucks versus a 51 and a half or 52 and a half? Yeah, so I have the Bucks as the number six offense, number three defense, 52 to 58 wins. Whew. Basically, here's where Milwaukee is. Brooke Lopez is back. That's the key thing. So that should significantly raise the defense. They finished 14th last year. If Brooke Lopez plays and all the veterans play and they actually try, I think we would agree. End of discussion. This is a potential juggernaut team. Easy over. The question is just whether, like, do do they try? Do they play enough and push forward enough to get to the over? 52 and a half, I would would have a lean over. But we talk a lot about on, on the bad teams. Do they try at the end? Do they tank? What's the question? This is that for me as a good team. I'm probably just going to stay away because I'm going to have my money tied up in Bucks futures and other ways past the regular season. And I just, I don't really know if this team cares that much about winning 50 or 53. My argument against the, the trying thing is that I basically think they took last year off. Yeah, I, think I agree. Was the one that they basically, and they got really hurt. They were genuinely hurt in November. Like Giannis was without Middleton, Drew and Lopez and still somehow they managed to get to the three seat. Like it's incredible what they did, like how good they are. Um, I looked this up, Drew Holiday, Middleton and Giannis, when they played together last season, 37 and 10, they won 79% of their games when the big three played with Lopez that goes to eight and one. They killed everyone like healthy. The Bucks kill everyone Yeah, is a general sentiment. Bud teams with Milwaukee average an 81 winning percentage versus sub 500 teams. That's based off influenced heavily by a 91% they hit in 2020. In general, they're between 75 and 90, right? Teams that win 70% of their, their games versus sub 500 teams, they go over 71% of the time. So to put, take the, that's a lot of numbers. Let me put this out of it. Seven out of 10 times, if you're a good team versus bad teams, you go over. The Bucks are an exceptionally good team yeah. versus the bad teams. They the Bucks special, just like Pop. That's what they do. They yeah. beat up on the bad teams and you beat the regular season. Now, despite all this, they've gone under in two of their four, but 2020 would have been an over if they actually carried mm-hmm. it out. So three of four, really. Yeah. Um, there's no real turnover from this team. It's not like last year where they lost P.J. Tucker. They get basically everybody back. They add Ingles and Marjan Pochamp. Those are two guys that that Ingles will be back probably midseason. Um, those are two guys that could help. I don't know that they've done a great job of filling out. The, I don't know what the like. There's nobody that I'm like, oh, watch out for this guy. Besides maybe Beauchamp. Yeah. Everybody else, it's just you know what you're getting. Teams that went under the previous season with a win total over 50 the following year are 13 and seven to the under. So if you went on, if you failed to to perform last year. And then you have a win mark of 50, you tend to go over. 50 is actually surprisingly indicative. Like that's a meaningful number for the win totals. That's a big mark. And you're going to be hearing a lot about that when we get to other teams. They're old. They're just old. They're, they're old. Yeah. Let me like, give you ages. Drew Holiday, 32. Chris Middleton, 31. Brooke Lopez, big dude, 34. Joe Ingles coming off ACL tear, 35. George Hill, 37. Wes Matthews, 36. Serge Ibaka, 32, question mark. Like, the age thing is a real concern for me. Plus the Giannis back injury, maybe thing happening at Eurobasket. For me, that's another reason that like, I just, 
Look, like you said, batters don't have to play everything. I don't have to play this. Yeah. I don't have to take an over. I like him. I like the roster. I like Giannis. He's very good. There are enough things that can go bad for me. That the age is a big deal to me. I was so hopeful after the Mitchell trade, my, but the first bet I looked for was Bucks division. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, like everybody's gonna get suckered in and start taking the division, and I can get the buck. Nope. Books are like, go fuck yourself, Matt. Minus three hundred. You're gonna have to pay three to one on it. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to pay three. Uh, minus two sixty now at FanDuel. Minus two sixty yeah. implied seventy two percent. What do you think about that number? I like the number. It's like I don't want to bet it because the nature of the NBA season is such that I don't yeah. want to take anything that's that's a seventy five percent probability with Giannis misses a month and that's it. Yeah, I agree. I, I just don't want to do it. it if you it. like the Bucks. Regular and you want to bet them in the regular season. If you like the over here, so they win fifty three or more games. Isn't the only play you need to make just Giannis MVP ticket? If they win 53, don't you just want a Giannis MVP and then just leave the rest alone? That's a good play on that. Uh, let's move to the Detroit Pistons, who have an over-under of 27.5. There's an under of 28.5 in the market. Brandon, what do you got for the Pistons? I have the Pistons 29th offensively. I think it could be rough. I have them 23rd on defense, 22 to 28 wins. So I lean under here, but it's probably not a bet that I need to make. Why do you have them that low on offense? Uh, because they were pretty rough offensively last year. Jeremy Grant was their best offensive player. And like my theme, if a team has a lot of young dudes running the offense, I tend to expect bad. And there's going to be a lot of Cade and a lot of Ivy here. So if you like the offense and like the over, you are betting on a big Cade leap. I'm fine with that. I just don't need about it. So I disagree with you because I think that a lot of that is, if you remember last season, they were literally the worst shooting offense since 1947 for two months of the season. (laughs) That's not an exaggeration. I looked it up. 1947. Okay. Was how bad they were shooting. Uh, They got, they got so much better by the end of the year. They just, it all kind of started to come together. K got over the ankle injury. Uh, This offense, I think the offense is way better because actually I think you're taking out Jeremy Grant isolations and that helps the offense. I think they're going to play more team centric ball. I think Jaden Ivey will be more, will, you know, just from a production standpoint, will be pretty good, even if the, if the efficiency is not great. The problem is the number. So I think this team's going to be a lot better. It's just baked into the line. Yeah. So like the way to think of it is I want to fade your negativity of like the standard under better. I want to fade that, but I can't because the line is already in expecting that. Yeah. Like the, the line is in a spot where even if you like it and you got the over, you're going to get to like two weeks left in the season and be like, okay, we need, we need number 29. We're at 27. We can get two more wins, right? Like that's your hope. You're not going to get to 35 here. You got to get that last win over the line. The Pistons after March 1st were eight and 13. They wanted a 31 win pace after March 1st. Uh, they genuinely tried to win. And I think that there's no reason to think that they won't do the same they did tail off and tank again i think that there's less likelihood of them like i think they'll be better than last year so they'll be even further back of a top four seed or top four lottery pick so they'll be even further incentivized to not tank at the end of the year so i feel a little bit better about that look cade ivy sadiq bay was so good last year like sadiq bay is an underrated guy he's good marvin bagley and i like isaiah stewart over some of the other bigs Olenek, Burks, both good veterans. Kojo, good veteran. New Orleans Noel is capable. They've got Jalen Duran. There's some upside there. If Ivy shows out, to me, the ceiling is pretty wide. I just don't want to bet it. Like, hmm. I-, I lean over, 
I just don't want to bet it because I'm getting such a bad number at 27 and a half. I don't want to get close to 30 wins. I was so hopeful this would be like a 25 and a half. Three wins better than last year, still probably going to tank. And I'd be like, no, I think they're actually going to be pretty not horrible in the 30-ish range. But 27 and a half versus if I if I ballpark them at 30 is not enough of a differential with a tank incentive for me to get there. I will. This is what I will tell you. I like the number right now for them to make the play-in at plus 750. I will not bet it. I want to wait to see if I'm right. Like I will still get a good, we learned this last year. You will still get a good number on playoff props two months into the season, including to make the play in. So if the Pistons start off and I'm like, this team's not bad. Like they played a bunch of really tough teams, but they're not bad. I will probably wind up betting them to make the plan to sneak in as a 10 seed. And what I think is going to be an Eastern conference where a lot of teams are going to be like the, the, the top yeah. is so far away. I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't mind that because, you know, you're, you're looking at the teams right above them, presumably are teams like the Wizards, the Hornets, who it's not hard to imagine a version of the Pistons that are better than those teams. Like that's very easily in play. So now you just need to pass the Knicks or the Bulls or you need a team to get injured and fall out or that sort of thing. I don't hate it. I like the bench unit. Those veterans you said, I think, raise the floor. Dwayne Casey, I think, is a floor raiser. I agree. This is not a tank team. This is absolutely a fight to the finish and an established Detroit basketball winning culture. I see a lot of reasons this could go well. I don't love the makeup, so I lean under, but that's why I'm not playing it because I can see a lot of positive paths. One trend for you, teams that won fewer than 25 games the previous season, and then their win total goes up by five or more, which the Pistons do qualify for this. They've gone 16 and 11 at 59% to the over. Not a huge margin there, but 59% is pretty good versus your minus 110. The way to read that is bad teams that the market says are going to be better, they still tend to underrate how much better they're going to be in general at a 59% clip. And finally, the Indiana Pacers, who were the darlings of, I would say, July. Like June and July, (laughs) it was like, you know, it's really under. And I was like, what is everyone talking about? Uh, Their number is 23 and a half. And it's juiced to the under at most of the books. If you find, if you want to play an under, make sure you shot for the minus 110, but it's going to be kind of hard. Brandon, what do you have for Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers? <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one because I think the intention question is, is hard to know the answer of here. I have Indiana 25th on offense, 29th on defense, 20 to 28 wins. So this is squarely a pass for me. There's, I, I don't need anything to do with this team because I don't know the intentions of where they're at. I I was one of those people in July. I think on this podcast, I was like, I kind of like this team. There's some dudes here. When I dug into it, the thing that really surprised me is there aren't dudes on defense. There are Miles Turner, that's it. And he's going to get hurt or traded sometime in the season. And then they could be disastrously bad on defense after that. And when your defense is that bad, that near the bottom of the league, there's just not a lot of hope for you. So like... I put heel in the starting unit. It may be uh, Matherin and Matherin's yeah. an X factor here that could get the over, but like a starting unit of Hallie healed Duarte Brissett, who I all shape set is actually really good and impactful. Like he's, he's a pretty good player and miles Turner. The problem with all these guys is I like all these guys individually, but when you stack this unit up against other starting units and you ask who's going to outscore who in their first six minutes, last six minutes you're just like oh the pacers are gonna get killed and 
if the starters are that level and then the bench, this is not a team where the bench is loaded with a bunch of really good dudes either. So uh, you just wind up in a, in a whole lot of this. Again, I don't, I don't want to bet it to me. This is the Spurs light. And the reason is it's a bad team with a bat, with a number that says that they're going to be really bad and they're going to tank, but it's still a really low number. Yeah. You know, if they win 23 games, can they get the number one pick or the number two pick in the lottery? Yeah. Like that's, that's possible. Right. Like I don't, I don't, a big question for me is if you could tell me right now that one team in the NBA would finish with under 20 wins, it would help a lot of my projections. Like just knowing (laughs) one team would be under 20 would be like, okay, this is going to determine how aggressively the other teams are going to have to tank. But when I start to get in that conversation, I'm like, do I want to bet this? I don't. So Pacers are a stay away from me. Couple of things too. Uh, a lot of people listening are going to be like, but I really like Tyrese Halliburton. I love Tyrese Halliburton. We, you like Tyrese Halliburton. We, we all like him. He is a complimentary player. He is not a superstar. And there is not guys to compliment on this roster. He's going to be better in future versions. He's a good, important part of the team. He's not going to significantly raise the ceiling of this roster. That's just not what his type of player is. And a guy like Benedict Matherin or other young guys, Aaron Neesmith, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, like they need to develop those guys. They need to see if those guys can play. You said like, well, Matherin, it could be the X factor in the offense. Shooting guards as rookies are not X. Those are negative X factors. That brings your offense down. And that's the thing too, is by the end of the season, those dudes are going to have to play. And they're going to be like, Hey, Benedict, go around the offense for a while. Let's see what you got. And they're going to lose when that happens. Not because he's bad but because he's going to be bad right now as like a 20 year old in the NBA. So we didn't mention Rick Carlisle. He's, he's still like the thing, right? That's still, I was, I had to look it up and be like, what Rick Carlisle is the coach of the team of young dudes. Uh Oh, <laughs> so yeah, he's hanging out with miles Turner. And could definitely can, work can, out. Can, do we get, is there, is there a first coach fired bet in the NBA? Because ugh, that, that I don't understand how that's going to go well. There, there is an under 25 and a half at points bet okay. at minus 167. Yeah. Does that interest you at all? No, I don't want to pay. <laughs> I don't want to pay an extra 57 points of juice. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't want our money on the Pacers. Nope. We don't. We'll watch them. They seem watchable. I'll yeah. watch the Pacers. Get, give me. I like Isaiah Jackson. I like Brissett. I like Hallie. A lot. The Hallie conversation is best summed up this way. The Kings being stupid does not mean the Pacers are good. That's the best way I can. <laughs> uh, all right. To wrap up our best bets, Brandon has gotten over on the Cleveland Cavaliers win total. He's got a best bet on the under of the Chicago Bulls. He's got various bets you could listen to in there as far as the props and all those go. But those are our win total bets. Yep. I have no bets on this division. I have leans to the Bucks over. I may wind up betting the Pistons over if I can talk myself into it right now, I think I'm just going to lose money with the magic and keep that to my bad teams. I lose money on <laughs> no bets for me uh, from this division reminder. You need to download the award-winning action network app and make sure to give us a five-star review for a chance at winning a one-year subscription to our pro tools. Thanks for joining us. Everybody we will be back on Thursday with another episode. Let's get buckets.